the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, we might as well telegraph that it's not Dennis, shall we? <laughs> can, can, can you tell? Not only, not only can you tell uh, that Dennis is not here, but it's a, it's a telegraphed in advance that it's me, your Texas talk show buddy, Mark Davis, morning host here at 660 AM, The Answer in Dallas-Fort Worth, where I do the best possible show prep imaginable for the Dennis Prager Show. It's called Doing My Own Program that ended just one hour ago. 7 to 10 Central Time, that is my playground. And man, if we had a bunch to talk about, and a lot of it that is, of course, originating here in my beloved Lone Star State, uh, is of great national interest. So there are a few things I'm going to do today. So whenever I'm blessed to come here and, uh, and hang out for Dennis, I uh, always lay down a little thumbnail sketch of what we're going to do. It is July 20th of 2021, a date of huge significance to me because I am, uh, I, at least here in DFW and maybe nationally, the go-to space dork in American radio. And it's because I'm old enough to be that and old enough to remember 52 years ago today when Neil Armstrong laid down those historic footprints along with Buzz Aldrin in the Sea of Tranquility, 52 years ago today, the footprint's on the moon tonight at uh, 10.56 Eastern Time, 9.56 Central. Do your own math elsewise. And um, I got a couple of things to say about that. And especially, wow, uh, today, and this was the day that Jeff Bezos decided, let's go ahead and do it today because they wanted it to have uh, some historic significance, and it certainly does. Jeff Bezos and his little brother and some Dutch teenager and the wonderfully named Wally Funk, uh, a woman, a, an 82-year-old woman who is a member of what was called the Mercury 13. You may remember the Mercury 7. Those were the actual astronauts, six of whom went up. Deke Slayton did not, but he got to run the astronaut office later on. So I guess that's a, I guess that's a little bit of makeup. But they had 13 women whom they put through various stages of training, and a whole lot of them did really, really well. And Wally was one of them. And she's a local woman. She lives just a few miles west of where I am here in the DFW area. And she and, and the whole flight was 11, 12 minutes. And there you go. Very reminiscent in a spacecraft called the New Shepard, S-H-E-P-A-R-D, like Alan Shepard, in a mission very reminiscent of his. And the Alan Shepard mission, when he became the first American in space, May 5th, 61, that's just a little over 60 years ago. And that was about 15 minutes in suborbital. They went up a, a little higher, about 115 miles. They, today, they went about 65. Richard Branson beat them to it on that space plane. I don't want to take anything away from Branson or the space plane, but it's a plane. It was taken aloft by another plane and then dropped out of the belly 
and then it fires up the rockets and goes up to the lip of space. You know, 50 miles is where they say space kind of begins. You get some zero-G. There's no longer any air up there that can provide lift to wings, so you might as well say you're in space because you are. Uh, neither of these flights went as high as Alan Shepard or Gus Grissom, our two suborbital flights before John Glenn actually orbited. And that was a big enchilada in February of 62. But all this history, all this stuff that's been mashed into my brain and into my childhood, it all came to fruition on what was for me a hot, humid summer night in the Maryland suburbs of Washington, D.C., where I was growing up. And my dad was in the Air Force. He had, he had in fact, just retired. After 20 years, most of it working in the Pentagon, some of it elsewhere, and maybe a, a proud Air Force brat. But I got some thoughts about the path that led there. And today, with uh, I was talking to my talk show buddy, Mike Gallagher, who precedes this show on many of these fine SRN affiliate stations. And he asked me a question. We do a wonderful local back and forth at 7.35 my time before he goes on the air and while I'm in the first hour of my show. And he asked me a question that many of you may have. And that question was essentially, so what? (laughs) Ever the contrarian, because he knows I'm dorked out on this and I love, you know, the Elon Musk and the SpaceX and Richard Branson and the Virgin Galactic and Jeff Bezos and the Blue Horizon. I'm just, I'm just all, you know, fired up about all of it. And so, ever the Luddite, Mike asked me this morning, what's the big deal? And I took that question quite at face value, because I was having to explain that to people when I'm 12. I mean, we beat the Russians. 52 years ago today, we beat the Russians. And that's about all of what it was about for a whole lot of people. Not for me, because I was 11. I mean, I love beating the Russians as much as anybody. I was a military dependent. I I dug beating the Russians. I still enjoy beating the Russians. I'd like to beat the Russians in cyber hacking, if I can get greedy a little bit and step into the modern day headlines. But um, after who remembers Apollo's tw- Apollo twelve? Pete Conrad and Alan Bean, Fort Worth's own Alan Bean, walking on the ocean of storms in November nineteen sixty nine. I do. We all remember Apollo 13 because it blew up. It was all we could do to bring those guys back alive. Who remembers Apollo 14? Guess Remember Al Shepard, who we mentioned moments ago? He got to walk on the moon in January of 1971. And then Apollo 15, whose 50th anniversary, the lunar rover. Remember the moon buggy? Well, we deployed that thing out of the side of the lunar module 50 years ago this month. And then Apollo 16 and 17 in the year 1972, and then we were done. Who thought it would take 50 years for us to go back? More than 50. Well, we're going back to the moon. We're going to have a moon base, they say. We're going to put a woman on the moon, because I guess you got to do that. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Sounds very dismissive. I'm all uh, women in space, Sally Ride, Wally Funk, all about it, uh, just all all about those. I I believe everybody ought to go. And uh, that's that's what's so cool about today. It's funny, I was going to say, you know, I'm a little old for this. I'm 63. If Wally Funk can go up there at 82, I got two more decades to go. Now, and maybe that's, and it sounds like a real boilerplate talk show question, but I'll throw it in amid the various things that I'm about to mention. And that is, if this becomes pretty available and pretty affordable in the you know the short term, decade or less, is this something you would do? 
And I think by then I probably would. I, I got a thing about right now, just a little stickling point for me. I can't die. Okay. I've done a bunch of things. Radio is cool. Wonderful gig. I've been in hot air balloons. I've spat across the sky in a stunt plane. I mean, just all kinds of stuff that, uh, guess what? I ain't doing anymore. Not because I've lost a, a sense of thrill or, you know, become a, a chicken or anything. I've, I, I need to reduce as close to zero as I can my likelihood of dying. I just do. You know, and my, my, my kids are 30 and 18, so it's not like I got toddlers at home. But I have a wife I really love a lot, and I don't need to have her widowed. And that's why this morning, as this flight went up, and, and, and when I said a few minutes ago about not giving short shrift to Richard Branson and the space plane, because it dropped out of the belly of a plane or dropped you know, from the belly of a plane and then flew like a plane and then landed like a plane on a runway, this was a real deal old school launch. This was that big old Blue Horizon thing launching from about seven hours west of me, just outside the tiny, tiny town of Van Horn, Texas, into the blue Texas prairie sky. And 11, 12 minutes later, and it's down, landing with a thud via parachute on the Texas uh, turf. And they all climbed out, and everybody was happy. And I was happy. So, you happy? You stoked about this or scratching your head wondering what in the world, what in the world is the deal? Well, I'll tell you what, no matter what we do today. Oh, by the way, speaking of real issues, uh, you know, COVID variants and the American Academy of Pediatrics saying you better put a mask on your kid age two and up. <laughs> right, right. Um, the runaway Democrats, as I mentioned, which are getting a lot of, uh, of national attention from here in my great state of Texas. A number of other things going on in national news. I had a chat with uh, with Dan Crenshaw this morning, Congressman Dan Crenshaw. And we talked about the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan. And I think I want to mention some of this with you today um, because we're fast approaching the, can you believe this, the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And as I have a, I write for Newsweek, I write for a lot of people, Town Hall, Dallas Morning News, even the Star-Telegram sometimes, in Fort Worth and Newsweek. And my newest Newsweek column is going to be about the Afghan withdrawal. And it kind of depressing it is because the Taliban are going to be overrunning Afghanistan by Christmas. So what does that mean about the 20 years we spent there? Got some thoughts about that. And about a number of things. 1-8-Prager-776. Mark Davis in for Dennis. Grab a line right now. Look forward to talking to you. And we'll see you in just a couple of minutes on the other side. On the Dennis Prager Show for this Tuesday. I'm Mark Davis. Be right back. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. My wife is a major tree and plant lover. I mean major. So discovering the world's largest online nursery, fastgrowingtrees.com, has been a sort of celebratory moment in the Prager home. Even I got a kick out of ordering. Just the fruit trees alone. 
were fascinating. You can skip the big box stores and head to fastgrowingtrees.com, the world's largest online nursery. No waiting in lines, messy cars, digging through a lackluster selection. Just go to fastgrowingtrees.com and choose from thousands of varieties of trees, shrubs, and plants, expertly curated to thrive in your area and delivered to your door in one or two days. Every plant is shipped with a well-developed root system, ready to explode with new growth. Plus, the 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee means your plants will arrive happy, healthy, and ready for planting. Now through July 31st, go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash Prager for 15% off. That's 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash Prager. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Janice's story. I was skeptical at first. But because of the pain that I was having when I would uh, substitute teach and have to climb stairs, so I have lower back, hip, and even knee pain. And after about three weeks, I found that I could climb stairs pain-free. But it wasn't only pain-free. I could do it step over step without holding on the railing. I'm really happy. It's, it makes me feel like I'm young again. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. Little five-man electrical band and signs. Very cool. Who did a nice remake of that? Like Tesla or somebody, I believe? The, the, the band Tesla, not the car. <laughs> hey, uh, look, space space dorks unite. This is awesome. I love it. It is the day for it. And look, we got plenty to get to. We got plenty of time. 52 years ago, human footprints on the moon. Uh, a couple hours ago. Jeff Bezos in this uh, wonderful door-busting private uh, trip into space. And I mentioned the, uh, the that, that Wally Funk, who flew today, 82-year-old woman, we had the um, oldest person ever to touch the lip of space and the youngest because this Danish teenager who went, who inherited it from somebody else. You ready for this? Somebody else who had a schedule conflict. A schedule conflict? What? 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 A, a, a teeth cleaning that really was urgent? I mean, how? What kind of schedule conflict bounces you out of the cockpit, uh, out of the crew cabin for for a trip into actual space? Anyway, uh, she was a member of the Mercury Thirteen, a group of thirteen women that was kind of a private sector thing. This this doctor assembled them and tested them. They could have gone, but they never were really going to because women in space just wasn't going to happen in America in, you know, 61, 62, 63. Even though the pesky Soviets, one of their first people they ever sent up was a woman, Valentina Tereshkova. Took us to the middle 80s to put a woman in space, Sally Ride. But I mentioned of the Mercury 7, right, that six of them flew because Deke Slayton did not. Had a heart condition. But that's not the end of the story. With more, here's Ron. Ron, Mark Davison for Dennis. How you doing? Hey, Dennis. I mean, Mark, I, I, I love your work. Uh, I just wanted to, uh, in all due respect to your interest in space and uh, the integrity of Dennis and, and accuracy, Deke Slayton did get up in space finally in the Apollo-Soyuz uh, America-Russia program That's right. several years later. It was, in yeah, fact, 1975. Okay. It was, in fact, 1975. Yeah. I was about to graduate from high school, 
And he and veteran uh, uh, Tom Stafford, who went to the moon but didn't land on the Apollo 10 mission, and Vance Brand, uh, Stafford, Slayton, and Brand, went up in 1975 and, and linked up with the Soyuz spacecraft. And uh, it, it was just a magnificent moment. It was magnificent for its inherent value and great because Deke actually got to fly. Now, Ron, I've got to share something with you. Are you aware of the series, I think it's Apple Plus, I'm not sure. It's a little thing called For All Mankind. Are you aware of it? No, I'm not. First time. Okay, here's here's what it is. It is an it's a work of fiction, but it's an alternative history in which the Russians make it to the moon first. Ouch. Okay. But from wow. there, the effect that that has on the American program, on how we respond to that. What happens with the space race then? And it basically involves moon bases and militarization. And it is filled with actual characters, the actual astronauts, actual people. And Deke Slayton is one of them, portrayed as the head of the astronaut office, which he was. And the Apollo-Soyuz test project is an enormous thing because the Russians, you know, the Cold War goes very, very differently. I cannot say enough for all the space dorks and all the historical uh, people with that interest today. For All Mankind, I think there were there were two seasons of it, and I, I think there's going to be another one. It is absolutely great, and I, I couldn't recommend it more highly. So thank you deeply for the postscript there on uh, on Deke Slate. Now, uh, speaking of other unfinished business, there's a little something I do at the beginning of my own show. Usually I've gotten to it by now, by the time I do Dennis or Larry or anybody else. And that is that no matter what we cover today, no matter what we do, let us be mindful. Uh, and, and again, this is not obligatory, but uh, I do it. And those who are, are of a mind to do so along with me, you may do so. Lord, guide us and protect us as we face the challenges of this new day. We thank you every day for this blessed nation and your hand in creating it. Fill our hearts with the energy to protect the freedoms which come from you, which our nation was founded to protect. Lord, be with us as we chart a course out of this COVID nightmare. Help us to be smart and safe as we reclaim our lives. Guide us to fight for our liberties within the law and by following your law. Let us navigate these troubling times with a positive spirit, treating others as we would want to be treated. Lord, these are times of trial and challenge. Lift us as we follow your word and work for a better America, where our Constitution is honored, our elections are reliable, our borders work, we fight for the unborn, where our differences are hashed out with honesty and goodwill, and our freedoms of speech and worship are protected. As we face each day's problems, give us the clarity to look around and cherish our many, many blessings in our nation, our communities, and in our families. If we follow you, Lord, we know we can get through anything. And we ask these things in your holy name. Amen. All righty. Uh, I got 14 things in my head, but let's uh, hop back onto the uh, the world of uh, of calls because there are all kinds of things going on. Heidi, hey, Mark Davison for Dennis. How you doing? Oh, Glenn, I'm sorry. How are, are you, you there? How are you, sir? Nice to have you. Uh, well, excellent. Uh, what I was telling Golf Screener, and this is what we need to get better at, is using the less logic against them. And I'll give you a perfect example mm-hmm. with the social media. Uh, people will complain about how government and what we've done in the past, slavery, Jim Crow, and, you know, we have areas. Then you, I, I hit them and I say, well, so you're willing to give that same government more the power to censor people? What if they come <laughs> after you? 
They don't think of this. And then another one I think is is the issue with the coronavirus and the vaccine. So I, I what I do is when I have these dialogues with people, I, I assert within the first couple of minutes that I'm I, I'm, a, I'm buying into what they're saying. Oh, America's systemically racist. We're bigoted. We're haters. We're all of this. Then I ask them, did you get the vaccine? Oh yeah, I get it. And they they kind of they kind of act as like a badge of honor that they got it. And I say, so let me let me let me understand your logic real quick. America's racist bigoted we're full of haters but yet we're supposed to line up and get a vaccine from that same government are you crazy you're on to something you are on to something because people have conditional and situational trust and mistrust it's kind of human nature but you've identified a way to to navigate that way and find and find examples of hypocrisy because when and listen and maybe we all carry this around to some extent there are things we want to be able to trust the government with uh, as a conservative i am a i'm a strong but limited government person government is far too large spends far too much and has its nose in way too much of my life and yours. Are there things that we need to spend more money on in government? That's an incredibly short list to me. The only thing I have, honestly, uh, listen, I, I just took a Texas road trip with a family last week. And um, I, we, you know what? I'm only here every once in a while. Maybe we need to talk some homelessness. Because when we open up the institutions and let these people just out, that's not working well. Maybe some clean, well-run institutions or, or something we need to spend money on. But generally speaking, we're spending too much on everything. Let's spend some more time with you in just a moment. Mark Davison for Dennis. Stick around. It's almost a Pavlovian response. Click the bell and receive Dennis's uh, YouTube stuff. It's a good, good thing to be conditioned to. Mark Davis filling in for Dennis today. He's back tomorrow. And while we're here to get together today, uh, all manner of things going on in the news, of course. But uh, we kind of find ourselves um, um, slinging some stuff back and forth uh, in the world of space dorkery. Because, uh, A, it's me. <laughs> it's what I do a lot of. And I enjoy it generationally, and I enjoy it because it takes me back to when I was a kid and a time of an American can-do spirit that I'd like to think we have not lost. And just uh, just a number of other things. And, of course, today, uh, the whole Jeff Bezos and his crew going up and down in a, a suborbital flight that was uh, that was pretty awesome. All right, uh, back to the phones, a, uh, a town that's just fun to say, Ypsilanti, Michigan. Hey, Sam, Mark Davison for Dennis. How are you? Mark, how are you? Good, thank Amen, you. Amen, by the way. Thanks. And I just wanted to propose that when we go to the moon, that we don't have a race to screw it up like we screwed up the earth. I want to propose no taxes on the moon. <laughs> you know, okay, look, if people are chuckling, boy, do you have a point. Boy, do you have a point. Because what happens once we get our first moon colony or our first Mars colony or our second or our third or our fifth or our tenth? And what happens when other countries, because space is a very international thing now, and there will be other countries doing moon colonies and other countries doing Mars colonies, and maybe while our children are still alive. And the first thing we got to do is figure out what will society look like up there you're not on earth you're not in america you're not in any country but you still are a citizen of representative of doing the work of some country or another and so we got to figure out things like treaties and cooperation 
and taxation. Yes, taxation. Because you know if, if there is a Democrat to be found anywhere, they're going to find a way to fund big government through uh, through lunar exploits. So you are a trailblazer, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Um, in fact, not to keep prodding you toward various um, TV shows, but there was a thing... I think Ron Howard had something to do with it. I love Ron Howard for directing Apollo 13. It's politically dorky, but you know, what can I tell you? Um, it was national geographic had something to do with it. And I think it was on their channel. It was called, it was called, it was called Mars. Couldn't have been simpler. That it would just to go looking for it. It's very cool. And it's weird in a way because it's a work of fiction in roughly the year 2033. Some people go to Mars, which is cool. And then they set up a base on Mars, which is cool. But it's it's uh, juxtaposed with like a documentary where you see a scene featuring how they're manufacturing food in some hydroponic setting on the Martian surface. And you'll get five minutes of some scientist being interviewed on how you're going to manufacture food on the Martian surface. It kind of provides an underpinning for everything that's going on in the fictitious story. And I'll tell you one thing that really stuck with me. I think there were two seasons of uh, that as well. Mars on on Nat Geo. Um, They are there. The first folks are there for pure science, honest science, the thrill of being there, the thrill of exploration. Okay, right. That's kind of my my jam. But then you know who shows up eventually? Uh, Big business. They're there for mining and drilling and exploiting whatever the Martian surface might have so that some company can make a profit. And guess what? I'm on board for that, too. Nothing wrong with that. So are those cross-purposes? Are they mutually exclusive? How does that even work? So, um, I don't know. It, it, is a, it is a wonderful, wonderful uh, plot development that I think takes us where we are at some point going to go. Because you go from just traipsing around on the moon to stuff where you've got to have a lot of human interaction on the moon and on Mars and all these colonies, because if we're going to set up a society up there. We're going to figure out how to run it, how to fund it. And as last gentleman said, whether we're going to tax people who occupy it. Ah, oh, gracious me. Mark Davis in for Dennis. So do join us. 1-8 Prager 776, 1-8 Prager 776. From your town to a galaxy far, far away. It is the Dennis Prager Show. Mark Davis filling in, and we'll be right back with more of your calls and more of my randomized thoughts in just a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you about an interesting supplement that has made a big deal in my life. I had the, the pins and needles feeling in my feet. I've had it for about 25 years. It got quite intense. So among the things I did is I had inserts put in which helped because it lifted the bone from the nerve. And I threw away the inserts last year after I started taking Nerve Renew. I read about Nerve Renew on the Internet, and so I tried it out. And amazingly, after about a year, it doesn't happen overnight, I got rid of the inserts I had worn for 10 years. It's minimal, the, uh, the pins and needles effect that I have. I'd like you to try it out. Go to NerveRenew.com. They offer two-week trial of their product and a one-year money-back guarantee at NerveRenew.com or your two-week trial now. I asked them to advertise. That's how effective I think the product is, NerveRenew.com. It is the Dennis Prager Show on this Tuesday, July 20th. 
2021. July 20th, big deal in space. Obviously, today, the Jeff Bezos thing, uh, those uh, lunar footprints from Neil Armstrong in 1969. In 1976, it was July 20th, we uh, put our first uh, Mars lander down, the Vikings. So it's been a big, big, big deal. Um, here's a little bit of a listen. This is kind of fun. This, again, this is about seven hours west of me here in DFW in the tiny town. I think the arrival of all the Blue Horizon people doubled the population of Van Horn, Texas. And I think this is all kind of a, a Blue Horizon, uh, you know, corporate thing, kind of an event, as is the Elon Musk stuff anytime a SpaceX uh, mission goes up. But uh, they, they gathered, uh, they gathered everybody, sat them on the big director's chairs and asked them about, uh, hey, how did your morning go? So without further ado, uh, how was it? <laughs> right. Jeff, what, what was it like? Was everything you imagined? Uh I'm going to answer that question, but just real quick. Please. I I want to thank a few people. Um, Yeah, let's move forward through that a little bit. Okay. Operated the vehicle, our trainers, everybody. It's just huge. Uh, I also want to thank the town of Van Horn. This is a small and amazing little town. Um, And, uh, you know, we're making a a dent in it. (laughs) And we appreciate you uh, for allowing us to be part of your town. And uh, and then I also I want to thank uh, every Amazon employee and every Amazon customer because you guys paid for all of this. So wow, I was an investor. I wasn't wasn't quite aware. I have a stake in this. Seriously, for every Amazon customer out there and every Amazon employee, thank you from the bottom of my heart very much. Uh, it's very appreciated. Right, now answer the question. And, uh, you know, now, on to how it felt. Oh, my God! (laughs) My expectations were high, and they were dramatically exceeded. uh, We were talking about this a little bit uh, in the car ride on the way back, and I I don't know, the the zero-G piece may have been one of the biggest surprises because it felt so... Normal. Okay. Uh, he said this because when they landed, there's some fairly rough audio. They said, I can't believe how easy the zero G. What, 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 what kind of difficult, I mean, a disorienting, I would expect. But okay, maybe I'd shut up and let him talk. It felt so like almost like we were as humans evolved to be in that environment, which I know is impossible, but it felt yeah. so serene and peaceful and the floating. It's actually much nicer than being in full one gravity. Um, uh, okay, a word on that. Uh, for uh, three minutes, it's great. But was it um, Mark Kelly, Scott Kelly? They're twins. I can, which one? Uh, Mark Kelly is the obnoxious senator from Arizona. I guess it was Scott Kelly, his astronaut, their astronaut brother, uh, who spent a year, a year, in the space station. Um, I'm sorry. I'm as as you can tell. I'm as geeked out on space as the next person. But after, I don't know, a couple weeks, man, I just don't know how that goes. No outside air, no normal food. Don't even talk about how you go to the bathroom. Uh, I'm, I'd be about done. And also, and, and, and they're exercising to beat the band up there because your bone density, you know, your, your, your bones, it's not good. I mean, the, the thing about gravity is it places a sort of a relative constant stress on your body. When you remove that completely 
organs and bones and things. They all, they all kind of start to do strange and peculiar things. The absence of gravity is just not long-term good. So um, anyway, but that having been said, I would like, you know, if I don't go to actual space, maybe you can put me in and pardon the name of this aircraft, the Vomit Comet. It's a KC-135. It's a massive refueling. Uh, uh, we never see that uh, um, video of astronauts in training where they're in the padded uh, cargo area of a plane. And then gravity goes away, and, then brrr, brrr, and they're all floating around like they're in space. How does that happen? The The plane flies a parabolic course. And it goes way up and then hits the apex of its curve and then goes way down, kind of like you would feel in a lesser degree on a roller coaster where you know you feel your innards kind of rise up inside you as the, the, the negative G-forces kick in. Uh, and it gives you X number of minutes of um, of zero G. And speaking of Apollo 13 and Ron Howard and that, and that movie that's burned into my brain, just as the mission is, rather than have people just sort of walk around, ooh, look at me, I'm in space in zero G, just holding your arms like, ooh, look at me. No, they, they filmed, they, they took a lot of the, the, the set up into these aircraft and were thus able to recreate those sets so that as you see, uh, you know, Tom Hanks, Kevin Bacon, uh, Bill Paxton, uh, as as Lovell Hayes and Swigert moving through, you know, the hatch from the command module to lunar module in zero G, it's actual zero G. Another reason why I love me some Opie, man. Ron Howard may be uh, politically out of whack, but uh, that that's a heck of a heck of a directorial achievement. Anyway, more Jeff Bezos. It's a very pleasurable experience, just from the sheer, just the way it feels, the tactfulness of it. Uh, that it, you know, the the most profound piece of it for me was looking out at the earth and looking at the earth's atmosphere every astronaut everybody who's been up into space they say this that it changes them and they look at it and they're kind of amazed and and awestruck by the earth and its beauty but also by its fragility and i can vouch for that um when i look out if he says one word about the climate i'm out (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) i don't i don't mean to don't mean to be harsh. Uh, of, of course we want a clean planet. Of course we want to be good stewards of the environment that God has given us. But mm, I've, I've about had it with climate extremism. And let's, let's see. Well, let's give them a minute. You know, when we're sitting in this room and when we're driving our cars and we're moving around the planet in our normal ways, the atmosphere is so gigantic. You know, we're these tiny little things and the planet, the atmosphere is so big. But when you get up above it, what you see is it's actually incredibly thin. It's this tiny little fragile thing. And as we move about the planet, we're damaging it. And, mm. you know, so that is, um, right. you know, right. that's that that's a very profound. It's one thing to recognize that intellect. Uh, you know, okay, okay, okay. Well, it's, a, it's a reminder that it is fragile and that, that our life here is not promised to us in eternity. And we should take care of the planet. Yes, we should. Um in fact, I, I tell you what, there's another astute observation somebody made. I'll share that with you next. Mark Davison for Dennis. In this final segment here of the first hour, let me sort of tie a bow around all the, the space stuff and we'll uh, carry that and maybe anything else into the into the ensuing hours because we got a lot of things in the news. But as Jeff Bezos in that uh, in those remarks a moment ago was talking about what it's like to go high enough where you can see the curvature of the earth and see the thin veneer that is the atmosphere. And it reminds you of how fragile the earth is. And that's true. That's, that's, that's true. 
proper. And it should remind us to take good care of this planet, which, by the way, we have an instinct to do. We we like a clean planet. We don't need to be goaded into uh, alternative energies that don't work by government. Um, we don't need to be operating on some bizarre fantasy land that human productivity is is causing the Earth's temperature to climb. Are you high? Let's just take good care of the planet for its own sake. How about that? Anyway, so as Jeff Bezos was talking about that change of perspective, once you're up at the lip of space looking down, it reminded me of something that Jim Lovell said. And one of my great blessings in this gig and with all this uh, space stuff in my head is I had a chance to emcee a lot of things. Met Armstrong and Aldrin, who walked on the moon 52 years ago today. Did a, if speaking of Apollo 13, did an event at the Frontiers of Flight Museum in Dallas a few years ago with Jim Lovell and Fred Hayes. And Jack Swigert passed away some time ago. And Jim Lovell uh, reiterated this familiar quote of his from his prior mission, Apollo 8, which, by the way, was the first mission to the moon. Apollo 11 was the moon landing. But we went to the moon twice before that, Apollos 8 and 10. If the definition of going to it is leaving Earth, heading out there 240-some thousand miles, and then spinning around it and coming back, that to me, that's going to the moon. You didn't land, but you went. And the first people to do that, Christmas time, 1968, you remember Frank Borman, Jim Lovell, Bill Anders reading from the book of Genesis on Christmas Eve on live television, Madeline Murray O'Hare's head exploded. It was delicious. Anyway, though, the quote that, that Jim Lovell uh, has always had, and, and, and Jim Jim and Marilyn, Marilyn just turned 91. I think Jim's 92. They're doing well. God love them. This generation of heroes is soon to leave us. Let us always cherish them. But he said, from when you're, when you're, two, when you're a quarter of a million miles away, I held up my thumb, and the earth could fit behind my thumb. And it occurred to me that behind my thumb lay every human being, five billion people at the time, but everybody who had ever lived, every strand of DNA of human life ever since the creation behind my thumb. Space is awesome. All right. We got other things to talk about. So let's do things in the news and more. Grab a line. 1-8-Prager-776, what's on your mind? And we'll stick to it and hop right to those topics next. Mark Davison for Dennis. Stick around.